0: For on Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up to the minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. Now, here's your host of Lickin' on Lending, David Lickin'. Let's begin.
1: Welcome, everybody. So good to have you with us on this April 25th, Monday. It's my brother's birthday. How about that? So, you're going to chuckle out of this. When you look at the last name, Lickin', many people have mispronounced that as Lickin'. So he finally gave up trying to correct everybody, so he goes by Lichen, and I go by the way the proper Norwegian pronunciation, which is Lichen. So there you go. Happy birthday to my brother, Dan Lichen. So good to have you with us. This podcast is created by mortgage professionals. It is for mortgage professionals, and we're so grateful to have you as our listener. Again, our commitment to you each week is to bring you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anytime and anywhere. And no better example, we got Josh O'Leary. Out in Olympia, Washington area, Pacific Northwest, listening and dialing in. He dials in every single week to get an update. So I'm going to give Josh O'Leary a big shout out. If you're listening by a link or you're listening however it means, please let me know. Love giving our listeners a shout out. So anyway, during the hot topics segment today, we've got Christopher Brown, the software solutions architect at Byserve, be sharing some of his thoughts the financial institutions and where they're at and where the markets are heading in the bigger picture, as well as what is the role of financial institutions. I've been at this industry for 48 years. We've said for years that by the time you start seeing the financial institutions start coming in, it defines the end of a cycle. The IMBs are the first end of the cycle. And then there are the financial institutions, they come in a little bit towards the end of the cycle. And it is exactly what we're gonna probably hear about. We have Fiserv on this week, we had Finastro last week, one of our sponsors of the podcast. So we're getting some perspective on financial institutions. For you IMBs, listen and pay attention to this. They do have clear strategies, they spend a lot of money looking at what's going on, so you'll benefit as well. Listening to Christopher Brown talk about the what's going on at Fiserv, one of the true leaders in the mortgage market when it comes to automation, technology, fintech. Alan Pollack even dialed in today. I'm so glad because he used to be at Fiserv as well. So we're going to have a great conversation in the hot topics segment. So stay tuned all the way through to the end. Also, want to say a shout out to the Industry Syndicate. Check out all the podcasts on IndustrySyndicate.com. They do a great job. Also, I want to say thank you to our sponsors, the Mortgage Bankers Association of America. Be sure to sign up for the Mortgage Action Alliance app, which is Maw, and you can get that in your Google Play Store or in the Apple Store. Anyway, go pick up that, get signed up, and have your word heard on the Hill. Also, Alan's gonna talk a little bit more about the tech show, what he learned at the tech show. Really interesting feedback coming out of that. Also, Finastra is a sponsor, thrilled to have them as a sponsor. They maximize convenience with post-closing functions, including funding, collateral tracking, shipping, insuring, and guaranteeing and as the interim servicing and accounting. There's so much that they do. We had Troy Anderson on of Finaster on last week talking about this. And again, going to continue that conversation with Christopher Brown this week with Fiserv. Also a special thank you goes out to Lenders One and the Mortgage Collaborative. These two co-ops do a great job of helping lenders and vendors get together in a smaller, more intimate setting where we get together and talk about what's going on in the trends of the industry. Encourage you to be a member of both of them, select at least one of them, but that should not negate your membership with the MBA, which is numero uno always. Also a Total Expert, the leading fintech software company that delivers purpose built CRM technology and create a customer engagement for the modern financial institutions. I got to tell you, go back and listen to the interview we had with Joe Weldo on March 14th. They got a great cohesive platform that just brings together experience. And if you're looking to do some recruiting, this software also has some really nice features for connecting with loan officers. When you identify them, through either Modix or Mobility MMI. Both of these companies, again, are sponsors. We appreciate both of them. I use both of them for helping our clients on recruiting. Check out both these companies. And if you're looking for training, check out KnowledgeCube. Ken Perry and the group there do a great job. They just released a new platform on April 1st, and they're doing a great job with that platform. We're broadcasting on that platform as well. SnapDocs, they have a great eVault solution, that will make it so simple to get... Started with eNotes. If you're not in the eNote program, you can do so and transact across multiple partners. Now a lot of people say, "Yeah, the APIs. Everyone has APIs, but it's really difficult to use." You got to talk to the folks at StatDocs. They'll make it real clear on that. Brianna Ings, we had her on March 28th. Check that out. As well as SuccessKit, Julian Lumpkin is doing probably one of the most amazing jobs of helping you tell your story. It's a very effective way to reach your audience, not just through your own words. It's much more effective to use the words of your clients, and that's what we do. We get a lot of client testimonials as a result of that. We get a lot of traction with this. Check out successkit.io. You can use that as a loan officer, as a mortgage company, tech company. It's across the board. Really good. Also, Lender Toolkit, Brett Rumley. We had him as a guest on March 14th, and my good friends there, Brent Emler and Brett from the great guys with a great technology, as well as form-free, they do a great job. Brent Chandler was on with us recently on February, as well as Simple Nexus. We have Lori Brewer on, on March 21st. And we also encourage you to check out the interview we had with Debbie Wemus that we did on the podcast. We will help you on your LinkedIn profile. Yeah, that's a lot of sponsors and we're so grateful for all of them. There's even more sponsors on our page. Go to lookingonlending.com. All of our sponsors. Especially a thank you goes out to Alice, Allen, Matt, Jack, Rob, and Les for their contributions each week. Rob was unable to get his MBA Mortgage Minute into us, so we're going to go right on into Les Parker's TM Spotlight and this week's macro view
0: of the markets.
1: Les Parker, what
0: you got for us? Bulls still standing. Two, nine, five. They're still trying. Two, nine, five. PM by Soundbite is brought to you by PowerSeller, making hedging easy. The bond market produced a hawkish Fed. The rapid rise in rates happened because bond investors felt the Fed was behind the curve. Now they think the Fed will usher in a recession. With the tenure not able to close above 295, will the bulls show they can push rates down 50 basis points by mid-May after the Fed increases rates? 50 basis points on May 4th. Growing expectations of a recession in 2023 keeps short-term rates rising and long-term rates can fall. Who's still standing? Bulls or bears? These views are my own. Find who's standing at (laughs) TMSpotlight.com. Good job. I love that one. Gary
1: Cantribune and Les Parker team up to turn out a great segment on that. That's actually pretty timely. Check out tmspotlight.com. You can sign up for their paid subscription and you can do it for free. If you insert the word power in the sign up subscription area, you get it for free. I get it. I've been reading it for at least three decades. I've been reading Les's write-ups. We're thrilled to partner with him on this podcast. Matt Graham is here, founder and CEO of MBS Live. Good to have you here. Looking at the 10-year, a little improvement here, a little bit of a rally. Is this going to hold or is like what Les said,
2: we're going to see them take this down. What's your thoughts? Bond sellers are always just thinking of new ways to try to trick uh, unsuspecting loan officers into floating yes. loans, really. So That's yeah, true. we never know. Part of the thesis today is that with each additional wave of selling, we have that much more technical pressure building up on the other side of that oversold condition and we're periodically going to get these pops back in a stronger territory. Every time we set a new high in yields and see one of these pops back toward lower levels, that could be the time where we're finally reversing course process that takes days if not weeks to confirm and we've seen a couple of head fakes so far. One of them was uh, fairly compelling and almost big enough and long lasting enough to suggest that that was a ceiling, but then it was promptly crushed in the following week. So let's talk recap real quick data last week, pretty boring homebuilder confidence as expected. It's been declining a little bit expectations over the next six months lower as you'd expect given the rate environment and the supply or inventory environment. Housing starts holding strong as expected, building permits, same story. Mortgage applications, refi demand continues to be bouncing along the long-term lows there. Purchases are still resilient, down a little bit, complicated somewhat by the fact that it was a holiday-shortened week and that the Good Friday holiday varies significantly in terms of the date of the month that it arrives. Existing home sales, pretty close to forecast, really nothing too interesting there. The more interesting stuff happened away from economic data, and there were several Fed speakers, as Les alluded to. Chicago Fed Evans, characteristically a mega-dove, very bond-friendly in his comments over the years, had what I would call just sort of down-the-middle commentary on the rate outlook, but coming from Evans, the market, as hawkish or unfriendly for rates. And he basically said, in a nutshell, we could have two 50 basis point hikes and then 25 bip hikes from there on out. That's right in line with what Fed Fund's futures are suggesting. So really no surprise and not an overly hawkish message, but markets didn't love it. And combine that with an active day of corporate bond issuance, which also puts upward pressure on rates in the short term. And that was enough for a big sell-off to new long-term highs on Tuesday. But the bond market did a fairly good job of moderating after that. Wednesday, nice little correction, back to the lows of the week but not back into the previous week's territory. This is how they get you, by the way. A big sell-off followed by a big rally, and the rally seems good, but it doesn't really get you back to the previous week's levels, and so you're tricked into thinking that things are good. On Thursday, that rule was proved true with a big sell-off yet again, and driven by central bankers yet again. It was interesting because the market was waiting for Fed Chair Powell and ECB President Lagarde in the afternoon at an IMF function, but well before that, uh, Bank of England's man, that's M-A-N-N, and also Feds Mary Daly were out with comments that, I wouldn't say they rocked the bond market, but they definitely put significant upward pressure on rates. And the bigger of those two deals were Daly's comments. And she basically said 25, 50 or 75 bps. Those are the three options for rate hikes. Nobody's really talking too seriously about the 75 bp hike potential, but I think at times it has been on the table. It is something that may be discussed next week. I don't think the Fed will pull the trigger on it. The market definitely doesn't think the Fed would pull the trigger on it. And as unlikely as it is for it to be mentioned is going to hit the market a bit. And she also said that it's an open question as to how far above we settle at above 2.5% in terms of the Fed funds rate. So all of that sent yields much higher. Friday was flat. And now looking at the week ahead. More home economic data, home-related economic data, housing, home prices, pending home sales. And, of course, with us as always, MBA applications. We have a two, five, and seven-year Treasury auction cycle. We had a little bit of action last week around the 20-year bond auction. So, not unreasonable to think we could see some more volatility surrounding (coughs) the auctions. And then the biggest deal of the week in terms of data would be Friday's PCE inflation. That's a counterpart to CPI and the Fed's preferred inflation index. And it is more stale than CPI since we already have CPI data. It might be a little bit anticlimactic if it comes in similarly, but if it paints a significantly different picture, then that could be a meaningful takeaway for the market, especially if it paints a picture of even more moderation and inflation. The big unknown that remains there, well, there are two of them. Number one is the fact that recent commodity price spike may still be working its way through the market and could yet be seen in the inflation indices. So we might not have seen all of that pass through yet. In fact, it's likely we haven't. And then the other unknown is the COVID situation in China with lockdowns and a drop in oil prices as a result. And that drop in oil prices is currently more than offsetting the expectations for supply chain disruptions that would push inflation higher. So inflation expectations, oil prices, both dropping significantly this morning as a result. Equities indices in China, way down and that is what is behind our bond gains this morning. And I would say that a little bit of fuel is added to that fire due to the oversold nature of bonds heading into the day, adds a little bit of extra emphasis when you have that much short base stacked up and a little bit of a short squeeze for bond sellers. So yeah, bigger yeah. picture, yet another opportunity to bounce, yet another time where we need to wait and make the market really prove itself before we are convinced that it is happening. Yeah, Wait, there's so many people that are trigger-happy right now, Matt. It's like crazy. Exactly.
1: Oh, what do we do? What do we got to clock? I got to clock. No, no, little. I mean, I was just talking to one company who said their loan officer, who is a very sophisticated kind of guy. And he has a client that even though he made him sign a statement, says, you're floating at your own risk. The applicant was waiting. Rates are going to go down. Rates are going to go down. I know they're going to go down. I know what I'm doing because I'm a really smart guy. I have a Ph.D. in finance. This guy was, and so they hung on. He said no. And now he's coming back and suing the company because they did not make him lock. Thank God <laughs> they used that form that says you do know you are floating at Mitch Beans. Interest rates could change suddenly. And in the event that they change, you will be paying the higher rate. You understand that and sign. So signify this statement by signing below. He did sign it and he's still coming back and suing him. Isn't that amazing? This is crazy times. Jack, I'd love to get your thoughts on this brilliant analysis by Mr. Matt.
3: Is it volatility grand, guys? One of the things I wanted to talk about real quickly this morning, we throw the term soft landing out a lot here on this podcast. And, and just so we all understand what a soft landing would mean in these economic times, obviously inflation running seven and a half, eight percent percent The Fed's target is 2 to 2.5%. So the challenge for the Fed is, How do they reel inflation back down to the target range without causing excessive contraction in the economy that would put us in a recession? So just making sure everybody knows what the term soft landing and that challenge is for the Fed. So are we going to see a miracle on the Hudson, David, where Sully brings it in or... Is this going to yeah. be more like the Denzel Washington movie called Flight where the plane's upside down? I don't yeah. know. But a question that I get a lot is what's going to happen to housing valuations? Are we going to see something similar to what we saw in 2007 and 2008? And I just want to share a little bit of good news with our listeners. Three reasons why we won't get there again. We have better credit quality today. You know, I mean, look, as much as people complain about regulation, Dodd-Frank and Ability to Repay has us in a much better place today than we were back in 2006 coming into that recession. The second reason is is residential properties are just not as levered as they were back in 07 and 08. We had 100% LTVs on so many loans back then and even some greater than 100 percent right we had 125 percent ltv's caps on negatively amortizing arms back then so resi's not nearly as leveraged the third reason housing inventory still remains in a balance actually a shortage of housing inventory so for those three reasons i don't really look to see a valuation collapse like we saw back in 07 and 08 Mm -hmm. So just wanted to share some good news good question, out there in yeah. a very volatile market, David.
0: Yeah,
1: two good newses. Yeah, we listen
3: to
0: what
1: uh, Matt's sharing here with us. I know you are busy sitting there watching the markets, and you're cranking out these recaps on what's happening. And I think that's such a value part of the MBS Live platform, Matt, is how you're attuned to the markets, looking at everything, and you're pushing those out constantly. I get them, and I tell you, it allows me to twist around, look around at the screen right behind me, which is loaded up with... MBS live data flashing away in real time. It's amazing. You folks can sign up for this. You get an extended trial period with no credit card required. If you use the code LOL, look at a letting, if you sign up.
2: Matt, anything else you want to share with us? Words of wisdom? The main takeaway, whether it's wise or not, is just wait and let the market prove itself before you get your hopes up too much about a top. But it is true that the higher we go, the closer we are to the top. Oh, yeah, TTFN. You have a little of that eorigeness
1: in you there, and I just love that. So don't get too excited, folks. This may change <laughs> <too>. <laughs> Matt, you're brilliant. I love you. You're an awesome contributor here. Thank you so much. And Jack, thank you for the rays of hope there, because I agree with you. I think overall, there's reasons to that- think bullishly about this market, you know, even though we've got watching what Matt's reporting on is being a little discouraging here lately with the rise of spike in rates. But good job. Thank you both for your commentary on the markets. Many are appreciating it. Let's get over to Alice Alvey, who is the CMB Vice President of Education and Training at the marvelous Union Home Mortgage. She's got a legislative update. Did you say it's kind of light news, Alice? Is that correct?
4: Yeah. As I was looking at the legislation that's pending and some of the things that are open for comment, there really wasn't anything brand new to report on. And I'd love to comment and add to what Jack said and just completely agree with what he said. This is nowhere near the same series of events in real estate and I think the credit quality is really the big one. We were doing no income verification loans and no Mm -hmm. asset verification loans. It was crazy stuff. People couldn't (laughs) pay us back. I mean, we all have stories of riding with a cab driver who's going, yeah, I own four houses and just looking, going, really? Okay. And this is the only job you have? Yeah, this is the only job I have. Today, we are seeing all of the numbers from the COVID forbearance. That was an impressive, positive news as well. I don't have the percentage off the top of my head, but it was a significant percentage. Most borrowers were able to get themselves restarted back again after the forbearance when they came out of forbearance. Whereas as an industry, I think we were all holding our breath. Was that going to be a really ugly number of customers who couldn't get themselves back on track with making their payments? Granted, the industry did a lot of modifications. But at the same time, that part all worked out well. We don't have that hanging over our heads anymore. The outcome of that is coming out better than planned. So I just wanted to add to that. I thought Jack's comments were terrific. And the whole comment about it's a floating interest rate, that's UDAP, right? I mean, we are responsible for everything we say and don't say to customers. People right. borrowers don't have the responsibility to read and understand all the disclosures it becomes up to us so that's uh, an interesting world we live in i'm just going to throw in vuca since we're talking about volatility everywhere this has been around a while it's an acronym that we use in leadership and management training so volatility for your v u is your uncertainty C, complexity, and A, ambiguity, and that's the world that we're all trying to manage in today, a volatile, uncertain, complex, and environment full of ambiguity. So a word that helps offset that is if you say, for volatility, I have to combat that with clear vision, and for uncertainty, I have to make sure I'm creating understanding. For that complexity, I have to make sure I'm adding clarity. And for that ambiguity really start to embrace being flexible help your teams become flexible to be able to do job rotations cross training and that type of thing it's a chance to re-engineer your business process and help people's ideas come to the table to be more effective and efficient so in all of this change going on in the market today that's how you turn it to have it be positive for the people that you have working with you today. So I'll just leave that message today,
1: One thing, Jason Steger, who is the CEO at Movement, just texted me, says, Dave, you recommended the book to me, The Motive by Patrick Lencioni. He says, I read it over the weekend. Wow, what a powerful book. It is such a good book. And these are times where we need to look at how we're managing, how we're leading. And as the book suggests, what is our motive for doing so? It's a really good time to be looking at what we're doing, why we're doing it, and uh encourage you to read the book, The Motive. Thank you, Jason, for texting me that you enjoyed that book. Appreciate it. got so many good listeners out there. We're so pleased to have all of you here. Let's get over to our good friend, Alan Pollock with the Tech Update. Hey, David. So,
5: how is it going today?
1: Good. You're excited to have uh, Chris on. You used to work at Spicer. I think that's awesome. I can't
5: wait to talk to... Mr. Christopher, we had a lot of fun back in the day, especially as we spent time working together. So that'll be a great piece of the segment coming up in a moment. All right. So getting back to some of the funny tech news that we always go through, David, we had a couple of weeks off, I think, from that. The first one is a cop, get this, has stopped a driverless car. The driverless car then flees, and then there's a whole bunch of confusion. And so if you want to learn more about what really happened, you can Google it and check it out. But that is the the factual statement is that a driverless car was stopped and uh, pulled over by a cop with a lot of confusion as to what to do next. I guess what, was the car <laughs> flees, you just kind of let it go, mark down the license plate.
1: You can stare in the camera and go, okay, who's really driving this crazy thing? That's, that's hilarious. Yeah, sounds like <laughs>
5: something out of a movie. So yeah. let's also talk about big tech, right? Probably moving the focus away from Facebook, but definitely on Twitter. So there was a big meeting over the weekend with Twitter's board. And it looks like they are nearing a deal decision will likely come today their earnings report is due out on thursday and what musk has said is that he's offering 46.5 billion he said they're really only worth 37 and he also made a giant comment he said that is his best and final there's all kinds of news about it all over the internet oh you haven't heard about it then you're way too focused on our industry but uh, check it out, so we'll hear probably today or tomorrow what's going to happen with that deal. Industry news, SnapDocs and Maxwell are now partnered together to Ice Mortgage Technology and Gateless. This is one of those folks that I saw at the conference. They're basically a smart underwrite platform. They're using new tech, so all of this AI and OCR technology that's out there, and it seems like everybody's getting their hands on it now. They're partnered with Google Tech called Smart AI, and it's basically a version of mortgage document data extraction that Google's partnered on. Uh, and they're also connected to Fannie and Freddie. Their goal is to reduce the timing, the limitations in the entire loan process. So, Gateless is a new name that's out there, check it out. Here's something kind of funny, David. I've, I met with a broker and I asked him, what technology are you using, right? And there's one point of sale and one or two LOS platforms are using because his actual comment was, I don't like technology, it doesn't help me, but I rely on educating the borrower I rely on Mm -hmm. the data that I get about the property and I rely on relationship. And If you remember about two years ago, I had spoken with somebody who was an originator and he said it takes about 13 touches to bring in that deal, right? to bring the fish in the boat. Mm -hmm. So I asked him that question and he told me that he is using CRM. That's his number one tool, but too many of the CRM systems, this was his opinion, do too much. He goes, it's real simple. You got to be able to have constant connection. In communication with the borrower and you got to use a phone call you can't leave it all to technology so while we're here touting technology technology right that's how a broker's opinion is and he is not probably real popular on linkedin you're not going to see his posts every day but he definitely knew what he was talking about and he has a successful brokerage that he owns so many of you may be thinking the same thing but let's move on to other news so David, we talked about at the conference right advances in data management and some of the cool things going on, I saw one thing that was really very interesting. I noticed more and more consulting companies that had more connectivity to the industry and more and more lenders that are relying on them to help integrate all of their tech solutions. One company I met with myself was a company called ATI, Awesome Technologies, and I think you may know them as well. What I found very interesting is that they are working on behalf of many lenders to integrate to their back-end tech systems or within their tech partners, each of those solutions together. And so that gets into exactly one of the things we've been talking about, right? Is how to be successful with all these tech solutions, right? We've spent all this money. There's now layoffs. There's contraction in the market. No one knows what's going to really happen with rates and property values. I agree, by the way, with what everyone has been saying on the podcast so far, but I do think that they're going to slow down. I don't think we're going to see a contraction in that. But anyways, ATI is one of those companies. I would look at your consulting company, who you're working with and think about what we talked about the Moscow method, how to become successful with the projects you're working on. But with that, David, right? What did we promise last week? We're going to get into what tech to watch in 2022. And there was an article that was out there that we referenced a couple times now. The article was actually in Mortgage Finance Gazette. So if you want to check it out, you can go there. Here's the best thing. They talked about a couple items. We'll get to one of them today and we'll extend it into next week and maybe the week after because some of them are really good points. The first one is increased use of automated data sources. We're at a point right now where you can get access to data. You can easily take that data and you can use it whether you're creating a risk score, whether you're using it to make a decision. As an example, if you have data from a credit report, doesn't meet within the criteria of what you're looking for, then why run PLAT or why run work number? Why do things that are going to cost money that don't make any sense? Or how do you use that data to make the experience more personalized? Especially if you think about our conversation today with Christopher, we're going to be talking about Fiserv, open banking and personalized experiences, right? Mm -hmm. Data is going to be the big topic today. How do you use those automated sources? And you as the lender, you may not have the ability to take that data and just do anything with it. You've got all of your vendors and partners to work with, but you want to be asking those questions, right? Ask those folks that you've integrated with. Maybe it's three years old. What additional data do they now have available that maybe they didn't have a while ago? Because as I said, automation, increased use of that data is becoming available. Make that usable. What can you do with it? Well, next week, David, we'll talk about digital IDs and we'll also talk about mm. conversational experiences. So, looking forward to the hot topic. And if anybody wants yeah. to get a hold of me, how to do it, it's Alan, A L L E N, at TMS advisors.com.
1: Yeah, good job. Yeah, that's interesting. You're talking about the Moscow method. Alice is talking about VUCO, VUCA. And I just think there's all these acronyms, but man, this is a time to be thinking about how we're approaching technology management, all the above. It's really good. Very good, Alan. Appreciate you so much for being here, a part of the podcast each and every week. Can't wait to have you involved in the Hot Topics segment, especially with your insights with serve, having been there for a good amount of time. Folks, that wraps up this week's weekly update of what we're talking about, the first half of the podcast. Those of you listening live, as Josh O'Leary is out in Olympia, Washington. Thanks, Josh, for being a regular listener. Next week, we have Kristen Meserly coming on of experience.com. Now, if you understand about experience.com, they measure success experience you have with your customer. And it's a great product, great program. The reason we're having Kristen on, she's dear. We belong to the 7A Mastermind Group together, along with a number of others. And Kristen always has great content. But what Kristen will be talking about next week, she'll be announcing who won, who is doing the best job. And you hear the criteria that Kristen will be relaying out. It's going to challenge you. Come well, on back and be sure to join us next week and listen to the Hot Topics segment where we have Kristen Meserly of Experience.com. I want to say a special thank you to our sponsors, Finastra, Lenders One, Mobility MMI, Modex, the MBA, Knowledge Coupe, the Mortgage Collaborative, Snapdoc, Success Kit, Lender Toolkit, Total Expert, Form Free, TMC, and Simple Nexus. So good to have you all with us, everybody. Have a great week. Look forward to having you back here next week.